and welcome to the In Contention Podcast. I am your host, Matt Cranstuber, with Joey Pasco. Hey, guys. And Max Ruby. Ruben Bressler. Yeah, hey, that's me. How's it going, guys? It's going pretty good. How about you? I'm not bad. I'm a little tired. Uh, I'm taking the day off after uh, SEGDC. Oh, that sounds like, from- sounds like a good plan. <laughs> it, it is a good plan, yeah. I mean, after I did the Invitational and I came back and I had to work the next day, and I was just useless the whole day. I just decided, you know what? This, it's just going to be better for everyone involved if I nap. Yeah. <laughs> for, for like 36 hours in a row. So this is the life of a uh, – the glamorous life of a coverage coordinator. Yeah, I mean I, w- I was adding up the hours, you know, because we get there at 8 and we're there till 1 with, yep. the, with the, you know, the break. I mean it's, not, right, wor- it's, like it's not working hours. in the mines, but <laughs> it, it, I'm not going to get black lung from this job. You know, it's not that tough, but <laughs> – it's not, it's not right. the easiest thing I've ever I'm done. Cu- I'm cutting you guys off. You guys probably had a great weekend doing coverage. We did. So, it was great. You know. All right. So uh, speaking of coverage, In Contention is the official podcast of the StarCityGames.com Open Series. And this weekend, the Open Series rolls into Kansas City, Missouri with $10,000 prize pools and the standard and legacy opens. If you can't be there, be sure to tune in to SEGlive.com with Brad Nelson and Jacob Lamb Lunen at the helm, bringing you all the action. Um, the Twitter hashtag for this weekend is SCGKC, so you can use that to join in the discussion. As always, if you can't make it out, be sure to check out the Invitational Qualifier Tournament Series uh, coming to a city near you. Go to the StarCityGames.com Open Series page for a complete listing at StarCityGames.com slash Open Series. And uh, we got some stuff to talk about today, so I'm going to get right into our hashtags for this week. So first one, obviously, Star City DC at the top of the list. Just happened this past weekend. Uh, both of you guys were in attendance, so I'm sure we'll have a lot to say. Some sub hashtags we have back to back to back to back. We also have Battle of Witch Challenge and yeah. Storm You. So, a couple, couple uh, topics to touch on some legacy and standard discussion. Then we have a special segment that we're very, very pleased to announce that we have Brian Braun doing on the show. I hope I didn't butcher that name too bad. Uh, so, that topic or that. Uh, title is hanging with bbd then we're going to have a spotlight on standard we're going to talk through some decks with brian and talk about uh what he thinks is good what he's playing and uh, what he expects to be good this summer as well as our own personal testing experiences and uh then we're going to talk a little bit about my new show which um i will uh unveil the name of it at the end of the show and uh just some plugs so why don't we dig right in and Let's let's talk about DC. So you guys were down in beautiful Maryland. Uh, not is it was it in Maryland or actually in Washington DC? It was actually, it was actually DC. In Washington, DC. Oh wow. Okay. So you guys are in DC. The, uh, yeah. Uh, my hotel was across from the International Spy Museum. If anybody's from DC and knows where that is. So, yeah. That yeah. place is neat. But moving on, we uh, yeah we were in DC with uh, I was the coverage coordinator joey and mike flores were the commentators and uh yeah we had a we had a nice time it was a huge tournament um yeah, almost, six, uh, go ahead 629 or 23 629 629 i think it was the fourth largest standard open ever and then the legacy was the largest by far it was 350 legacy wow. players the previous record was 323. That's so, huge. Uh, it's an enor- it was an enormous tournament, yeah. Which is probably why we're both so tired. 
That's yeah. well. <laughs> at least that's part of it. That's true. Yeah, that's Watch a lot it. of time to be talking uh, about, you know, Magic. Delver, Delver mirrors and Mother of Runes activations. Yep. Well, I tried my best to mitigate that. We had uh, we had a couple exciting decks. We had uh, Kenny Mayer was there as part of the Battle of Wits challenge. Both days, um, played both back, days he uh, played, played Battle of Wits. Yeah. On uh, Saturday, he was he finished at six and three, I believe, as did Alian Trazi with a Battle of Wits deck, um, which I think was the best finishes among the Battle of Wits decks. Uh, I think Kenny was. In contention to make top eight, but then lost, lost. All right. Um, so that's unfortunate, but um, that was very exciting. And then on we had some pretty exciting decks both days. Uh, and then on Sunday we had trading post on camera. Yeah. I'll repeat that on Sunday. On Sunday we had trading post on camera. He In had legacy. trading post stacks. That um, deck was awesome. That was that like was you a, did a deck tech. So if yep, I did a deck tech, so yeah. if people want to go look at that, uh, go to the coverage archive. And click on Washington DC Legacy. His name was Whoa. Eric Brown, and he had uh, two trading posts. Two Sundial of the Infinite were in his deck. That combo was pretty well with Smokestack. Um, also counters Wasteland activations and things like that. And uh, there was a Russian Goat token on camera, and it was attacking for one. <laughs> he had because he had Humility in play. Yeah, which makes that, the Goat tokens better. That guy, um, I'm pretty sure that guy's an old Mystings. Uh, he's one of the twins. If you, oh, yeah? any of you visited Mystings back in the day, wow. I totally recognize that guy, which is kind of funny. But uh, yeah, his deck was super cool. It took advantage of humility, and like you could, like if you activate a Gideon while humility's in play, Gideon's actually a six-six because of yeah. the way yep. layers. And work. that's why he named his deck Layer Seven B, is because a lot of the cards in his deck <laughs> interact with that layer. Right, Mistress yeah. Factory, same thing. Mistress Factory, Gideon, and Humility. So that's time stamped. So because the, if the humility's in play and then you activate the Gideon, because the Gideon was activated more recently, it takes advantage. Nice. So, uh, so Battle of Witch Challenge. Who who who's um, who had the best Battle of Witch deck? Do you think on the weekend? Well, I did a I did a feature with Kenny's, um, which was basically Niapod. But with all of the Niapod parts, just everything you could ever want in a Niapod deck, and then four Battle Wits. <laughs> he had four Phantasmal Image, four Phyrexian Metamorph, and four Battle Wits as his blue cards. And then the rest of the deck was Niapod, and it was insane. We saw him on, on camera, and he won his match, and there was no sign of a Battle of Wits. The only yep, indication not- of a Battle of Wits deck was the actual library sitting there, you know, a foot off the table. Well, Kenny's very interesting in that he... the. Like, when he originally engineered his Battle of Wits deck, when you saw him on coverage uh, about six months ago with the famous show-and-tell where he oh, put the Battle of Wits in play. Much longer than six months ago, but yes. Okay. Um, he, uh, his take on it was, I'm just going to build Zoo, yep. um, and I'm going to put Battle of Wits in it because I'll, I'll just play every good Zoo creature um, and then and then did this you know one blue card. Yep. And that's a really interesting take on the deck. I don't know, like, from a strategy perspective, I'd love to pick his brain as to why, like, that's just better than playing, you know, like a an Esper frog or bug or whatever. Um, but, uh, you know, at 6-3 and three with a 250-ish card deck, you know, there's something to be said for that record. So yep. I'm definitely uh, interested to, he- to hear more about that. I wonder if people are... Trying to grind that on Moto after the list was posted after you featured it, that'd be yeah. pretty cool. 
Well, another uh, Battle of Wits celebrity. We had both major Battle of Wits celebrities in the room uh, <laughs> because William Huey Jensen was at this open. Yeah. Wow. Which was wild. It's awesome. Uh, like, he came up to me in the morning and said, hey, you're Ruben Bressler. And I'm like, oh, it's just some dude in an orange shirt. And he was like, uh, yeah, I'm Huey Jensen. And then my jaw <laughs> hit the floor. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, had never – Go ahead. He was just in town for uh, for a little while because he was he's going to the Grand Prix in Boston. He's just in the United States to visit some some folks. Uh, he lives in the Caribbean. Nice life. Uh, <laughs> and he uh, yeah he was he decided to come a little early to I forget why he decided to come early, but then he found out about this tournament. It was like oh I'll just be in D.C. I'll just get a deck or two, and then he just decided to play. So that was excellent, and uh, I was able to interview him on the coverage. That should be up in the archives. Uh, I got to do quick questions with him. He had a round one feature match in standard that he won. And, uh, yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was nice. really good Really good to meet him. I mean, it sucks he's still, you know, that he's he's not in the Hall of Fame just yet, but maybe next year. Yeah, you know, well, he was one off. He'll be, yeah. I mean, he's, he's on the doorstep. He'll be fine. But uh, the other big news of the weekend was that we had back-to-back, back-to-backs. Or at least attempt, attempts. Attempted. Yeah. So let me explain what happened. Last week in Buffalo, as you may remember, Joshua Cho, the Cho Hawk, won the Legacy Open with Merfolk. Um, then in D.C., uh, he made top four in standard, which is not a traditional back-to-back. Um, but he tried and failed, unfortunately. Yeah, he made it to the semis, right? Yes, he yeah. made it to the semifinals. Uh, but Reed Duke won that tournament. And later that day, Reed Duke was attempting to go back-to-back, but lost in the semis. So, you know, so, that'll happen. So Jerry, Jerry Thompson has somehow put a curse on the semifinals so that <laughs> yep. he's he's got like a curse of death's hold or something That's sitting right. there. So that much anybody like, that makes it to the semifinals after winning the previous tournament just dies. That's much, like the 70, <laughs> much like the 72 Miami Dolphins crack a bottle of champagne every time the last undefeated loses in the NFL. Yeah. Jerry, Jerry cracks open a whatever he drinks. Jerry tweeted something like that. Like, please, Reed, don't take this away from me. Yeah, it's this all, is all I have. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, yeah, that was very exciting. The top four standard was probably the best top four we've ever had. Um, yeah, that was stacked. It was, it was basically a Grand Prix top four. Like, I would not have been shocked if that was a Grand Prix or even Pro Tour top four. Yeah. Uh, it was Reed Duke who won. Josh Cho. Um, Charles Gindy. Charles Gindy, who lost in the finals, who was undefeated up until that point. He was 9-0-1. Wow. He had not lost a match of, of, uh, of Magic since uh, Grand Prix Columbus. Wow. Which is hilarious. Um, and then, who's the last? Oh, it was ben uh, uh, ben, Benny Beatdowns. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah, Ben Lundquist. So that was quite the top four. The whole weekend had, like, an air of a GP, especially Saturday. I mean, with yeah. the number of players that were there and then the, the quality of players that were there, it, oh, was, yeah. it was amazing. Uh, Jackie Lee was there. Like, I had a whole list, and I just kept adding to it. was about it. 25 known Magic pros. Wow. Were there. Not That's to a pretty good percentage. There was a point at which I, uh, I, had, uh, I had put someone on camera who I didn't know named Jin Sui, 
uh, was playing against someone that I actually named, knew the name of. And then I believe Flores was the one that pointed out that Jin had top two, two Grand Prix's in the Far East, and I just didn't even know who he was. And it was Did just, he travel to come to the event, or was he? He comes to uh, D.C. to visit family every once in a while, I think. And he was just in the United States for a couple weeks, and so he just decided to play. And he does this every other, uh, you know, every once in a while for for SCG Open. So I just want to kind of lament um, on something that I, I don't know, like if this is gonna, if this is gonna change, or maybe this is just a sign of the times. But I, I kind of am disappointed in tournament magic uh, of recent years, where we don't see as many Japanese and European players traveling to. Um, North American Grand Prix, yeah. and um, and and maybe I, maybe I just like get that air because like we used to see, I don't know, like I felt maybe there's more emphasis on the pro tours, so, like maybe we just see these players all over the place. But I, I don't know, like I like, when's the last time you saw like a pack of you know like Japanese people show up to to a Grand Prix? I would right. love to see that that kind of enthusiasm for people to travel to events like Star City level events, like maybe even just like an Invitational. Uh, because yeah. uh, obviously, you know, that's like way, way higher uh, EV than a Grand Prix. Um, the you reason know. why I think this that that's happened, there's a couple things that are that are at play here. One is there are more Grand Prix now, yeah. um, so they don't have to travel as much. There's one whole less Pro Tour. Uh, Worlds isn't the, what it used to be. And, what about the, uh, the Pro Tour invite, too? Uh, yeah. Not extended down. It's not extended might... down to top eight. It's only top four, right? Yeah. Of Grand Prix, and then for this for Star City Opens, it's somewhat difficult to qualify for a Star City Open if you don't live in the United States and get to in, go invitational. To... You mean invitational? Sorry, yeah. it's it's difficult to qualify for invitationals if you're not playing in Opens every weekend or mm-hmm. if there's not a a um, IQ in your area. They're starting to organize more IQs overseas. There's one in Russia recently. Uh, I think that there's one. In, there's at least one in Japan this coming during this year, I believe. Uh, um, and so th- there's there was a, a Facebook photo album that I saw of one that was in Spain, run mm. by God. I wish I remembered the store. It was either in Spain or Portugal. Um, I'll, I'll link I'll link it in the show notes because I, I feel real bad about it. They went all out with this thing. They made a trophy that had a foil angel demon token in it. Nice. They had a live coverage watching area. So there was a camera over one of the feature matches, and then there was, like, some couches and a TV showing that feature match. Nice. Wow. That's very so, cool. So, like, yeah, and I'd love to see the growth of, uh, of course, personally, I'd love to see the growth of the Open Series, but even, you know, the growth of the <laughs> private tournament series in as a whole would be yeah. a great thing for Magic. And to get pros from overseas to come on over would be would be a lovely thing. Well, speaking of, um, they're they're actually uh, there's a 5K this weekend in Columbus. Um, oh yeah. There's a TCG player 5K. Oh, nice. Um, and you know, I, seeing that uh, come around, obviously, and then all the Star City tournaments. You know, we've talked a long, long time about how that's like sort of the next frontier of Magic tournaments. Um, but I, but again, I, I really hope that not seeing the foreign presence and um, you know, you know, they they've taken pro tours off of the public uh you know you you can't you can't go to them to to play side events and things and i just hope that's not like the direction they're going where you know we're and we're just going to take away you know we're gonna have one pro tour one worlds and then we're gonna have 50 grand prix i i just don't think that's as, as exciting but that's probably a topic for another show i wanted to quickly 
because um, I want to get to the to uh, hang in with BBD. Um, I want to talk about the legacy top eight um, sure. because uh, I think it's kind of important. You know, we've seen Merfolk show up the last few weeks. Um, well, I should say the last few opens, and uh, and Jerry had had a great tweet that um i don't know it verbatim but basically he said i'm never being talked into playing you know that that pile merfolk ever again um because he he ended up playing merfolk and and ended up going like you know one and two drop or something and um so that's kind of interesting and i i kind of i kind of share that sentiment that merfolk is a very uh, well, it's, it's got two things going for it. One, you, you have to have the heart of the heart of the fish. Like you really, you have to you have to be a merfolk player. And yeah. two, it, it's it's got to be a perfect storm. No pun intended. Like you have to really be in a in a uh, in a field where merfolk can do well. Otherwise, like you are quite literally flopping out of water. And I'm just yep. laying on the ponds, Peter Johnson styles as right. as far as I can. But um, hold on, I think, hold on, BBD style. BBD style, sure, yeah, he is a, a punsman, isn't he? Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, I, I just wanted to to talk about how like this this top eight's pr- pretty interesting. The blue white control list by Reduke is awesome. I um, love that list. It's got land tax. Yeah, it's got land tax, and uh, and it's kind of interesting um, that he's playing the blue white control list with land tax in it because he lamented when they originally made the emergency unban that like. They shouldn't have done that, but he ended right. up playing a land tax deck regardless, and he right. has been playing. Um, and I think that these miracle lists, I mean, obviously two in the top eight, that's that's pretty important that, yeah. uh, you know, that blue-white control is doing as well as it is. Agreed. And um, and then we have this really odd-looking storm list that I wanted to touch on briefly, which we're going to plug these guys at the end of the show, but uh, Game State MTG covered... Um, this list last night in a, in a uh, video cast or a Twitch TV cast, whatever you want to call it. And this is a very interesting storm list. Um, it's basically just a bunch of four ofs, you know, uh, duress, Jetaxian probe, infernal tuner, pass in flames, tendrils of agony. Yes. Pass in flames and tendrils of agony, four ofs, um, cabal ritual, dark ritual, brainstorm, led and Lotus petal. And, um, and then two cabal therapies. So it's, it's very interesting. Like, I don't know if this is trying to be like the old throwback to the vintage decks when they decided to go away from Academy and just like, well, I'm going to hit my combo eventually. I'm just going to play like all of the cantrips. And like, if you haven't killed me by the time I'm ready to go off, I'm just going to go off, like regardless of any thought seizes or duresses or whatever you throw at me. So um, I, I, I don't know if I like this list, but I'm really interested in building this up and giving it a spin um, I've never seen a list with I mean, four passive yeah, things. It's really four bizarre. Yeah, the, well, we had it on camera for about three minutes. Uh, it was, <laughs> I believe, in the winning end. It was the final round of Swiss, if I recall correctly. Um, and it was they were in game three, and when we started, because we had had a previous match, and we just switched uh, switched over to them for some content. And on the table, there was a meddling mage and a past in flames sitting. And we're like, okay, so he's resolving past in flames. But apparently the past in flames was supposed to be representing what the meddling mage uh, named. So uh. it, it was a little bit confusing for us. So, And I don't know what happened in the first two games. But what what we saw in the very brief amount of, t- uh, of the match we saw was a surgical extraction on tendrils of agony. And this is game three. And he searches through his library, and I don't think there were any more. 
And when he showed his hand, there was a burning wish in his hand. And it was like <laughs> yeah. his opponent was just like, you could, it was, wow. he, was, he was visibly frustrated because I guess, my guess is that he had known, he had somehow discovered through the first two games that there were more than one tendrils of agony in the deck. And uh, I think he got, he got fooled into uh into surgically extracting it and wow. it was the only copy in the in the 70 i'm sorry in the 60 during game three but but i guess you know in the board you know so what we saw was burning wish for tendrils of agony win right after the surgical right, right. extraction so um but yeah it, it was it was interesting i kind of would have liked to have seen um seen more of that match but that's as much as we saw yeah but uh also in attendance this weekend, besides Ruben and I, we did have Brian Braun doing. So, uh, Brian, why don't you uh, hop on in? Are you? Uh, hey guys, there? how's it going, yep. Brian? Hey, uh, great. Yeah. So, so you... it's, this is Brian. Uh, it's it's Brown doing, right? Yeah, Brown doing. Brown. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's... Oh man, I butchered it way worse than you guys. I've been butchering <laughs> it since I first heard your name <laughs> since on SCG Live and everything. So, like, it's always a surprise to me when someone doesn't butcher my name. So it's kind of the expected at this point. Sure. So yeah, because I've heard Brian Braun Dwin is another way I've yep. heard it pronounced, but uh, it's Brian Brown doing. Right. That, okay. Yep. So. First question, what is the worst butchering a telemarketer has ever done of your name? Or, or, uh, or a written letter? The worst butchering I've heard is Blodovich. <laughs> <laughs> what? I, I've actually heard Blodovich. I don't, I don't wow. know how that happened. But... Someone was reading your name and got Blodovich out of that? Yeah, they got Blodovich. <laughs> yep. That's uh, pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, uh, so what did you, uh, you know, you were there. What did you play on on Saturday and Sunday, and uh, and how'd that go for you? Uh, Saturday, I played Niapod, which is a deck that I've been playing for a long time, kind of uh, championing championing this deck. So, uh, it went pretty well for me. I went uh, seven two and one, uh, lost the second to last round, and knocked myself out of top eight convention contention. So, um, but yeah, and actually, it was... your your list, your. 75 from your article on Friday made top eight. Right. Yeah. Someone else took the 75 from my article and top eighted with it. So uh, the deck is, is very strong, but I didn't personally get there myself, unfortunately. So what, what, uh, yeah, you, you feel like that was, uh, I, I think I ran into you on Saturday and you mentioned that you kind of have forsaken Delver for now. Like you, you're, you're just kind of tired of it. Yeah. I, Delver of Secrets and I have not gotten along particularly well, so uh, I've given up on it. I'm just I'm never touching that card again. So <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. We may have to. Uh, well, we'll see. We'll see about that. We'll have to. Yeah, yeah. We'll see about that. I'm sure I'll be playing it some other time, but <laughs> or in packs. Legacy, maybe. You know, you never know. Right. In Legacy, BBD is uh, has fallen in love with one deck and will never it, leave it. Yeah. So. That's that's fair. Which, and that, yeah. that deck, of course, Brian is. Uh, Stoneblade. Yep. Stoneblade. Love love me some Stoneforge Mystic. Well, who doesn't? So, for this part of the podcast, we wanted to focus on Standard. Um, Obviously, you know, we've seen your deck list all over the place. I've been playing uh, Moto, and I actually have several tabs open on my browser while I'm playing. One of uh, them is your uh, 75. Another is... um, Reduke and Gerard Fabiano's rug article, and then Cedric Phillips, because those seem to be the three decks 
that I come across uh, enough that I don't know like the full contents of the main deck. Like maybe there's silver bullets that I'm, you know, like not catching. Um, so why don't, why don't you tell us a little bit about you know you, you've obviously been playing Niapod. You know, talk to us about the progression of the deck. You know, maybe something outside of the article. Maybe some uh, lay of the land for the. Uh, do you play a lot of Moto? Uh, yeah, that's that's kind of where I did a lot of testing to like figure out exactly the cards I wanted to play for the deck. It was just like jamming like tons of games on Magic Online. So when uh, you play, sorry, when you, when you play Moto, do, do you do like two man queues or do you do eight mans or daily events? Um, I usually just do like eight mans and daily events, and like occasionally they bring back uh, gold queues, and I'll do those too. Sure. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I like to I like to play it in like the dailies because. I, you generally get like a more uh, like taste of the normal metagame in a daily event than you do in like a two man queue because mm-hmm. you like a lot of times in two mans you you run against decks that are like like fairly uh, you, you don't really see them anywhere else and like it doesn't necessarily help you test your deck against like the expected metagame. Sure. So what are what are some of the the matchups that you think like why why, why should I be playing Niapod over? You know, the other versions of pod, there's, you know, a hundred different varieties of uh, pod decks, including 250-card pod lists. <laughs> so, you know, in in a few sentences, like, you know, why should we be jamming pod right now? Um, well, like, one of the advantages of Naya pod over, like, the other pod decks is you just get to play, like, four bonfires, which I, I think that card is the best card in standard. And uh, what pod gives you is just the ability to, like grind out wins and more grindy games where you can just out card advantage them like over and over and over again until they they can't win anymore yeah i was uh def- definitely you're a lot you can definitely get just get more guys on the board when you've got blade splicers and hunt masters um and also with your ability to run four bonfires and typically rug pod usually only runs like one or two um you know, 250 card pod runs four, but they <laughs> right. have cards. Well, um, I mean, the, the great thing about that is they probably never have it in their opening hand. They're always going to the bonfire. They've always got the out in their deck. Yep. So your your pod list is a little bit more uh, different than a lot of pod lists that I've seen in that it doesn't run any of the uh, singleton tutorable targets. It doesn't, like, try to chain up to six and seven with a one of Inferno Titan and a one of Elishnorn. It just is sort of in there as an afterthought, it seems. Yeah, um, so I'm only playing two pods, and I don't like to run any of the silver bullets because uh, it's a lot of times it's like hard to get to a situation where you actually get value potting into like that specific silver bullet. And a lot of times you'll draw that card, and it'll be like a dead card for the matchup you're playing. And like it just kind of makes your deck a little bit clunkier. And Naya has like a really awesome progression of like Blade Splicer into Huntmaster into Thrag Tusk, and you don't really need much more beyond that. And like Restoration Angel is obviously like insane with all three of those cards too. So like I I don't necessarily think you need like Silver Bullets because like that pod chain, just those three cards, is like extremely powerful even without like a Silver Bullet in there or like a six or a seven. So uh, I was thinking the other day. That there are, you know, Vorapede is insane. That card is just ridiculous in terms of the things that it can do that no other card in Magic can do. But it sees no play because there are just so many five drops that are better. 
And uh, I was especially struck by your list um, because of there, there were three, at least three, the three that I can think of, five drops that are just better in Nyapod than a card that's a five power, five creature with undying, which is absurd to, to think. You know, even a couple of years ago, that that would even be the case. So, what are the uh, what are the five drops that you like in Nyapod? Yeah, so I'm actually playing four five drops. And, oh, jeez. Uh, well, two two in the sideboard, and then uh, acidic slime would be like a reasonable fifth one that I just didn't oh, have okay. in there. But uh, like, I have Silverheart and Thragtusk main, and Silverheart is just like the best five against most decks. Like, it's it's probably the worst against Delver, but I like it against like everything else. It just, like, ends the game really fast, and uh, especially when you have pod, like, you can just, like, set up a situation where you can pod into it at the right time and just blow your opponent out. And then Thrag Tusk is just, like, awesome value against almost every deck. And in the sideboard, I have Geist Honored Monk, which is basically strictly for Delver. It uh, The two Flying Spirits are awesome for, like, blocking, you know, Geist of St. Traft Angels or, like... You know, a 9-2 Insectile Aberration with a Rune Chainer's The first pipe. strike, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, it's like, it just combos really well with, like, Restoration Angel as well. And it's, like, usually big enough to attack through their their Restoration Angels if they have one, so. That's not even talking about Zealous Conscripts. Yeah, Zealous Conscripts is the other one. And this card is, like, awesome. And I kind of want to run one main. I think I, it was a mistake not to, probably. Because it just does so many things that, like... You can, like, steal one of their guys and then use Restoration Angel to, like, get their guy permanently and so forth. It's just really awesome against, like, most decks. Are you planning on uh, on adding any back into the main deck because of the success of this ramp deck? Yeah, I think um, the success of ramp, and when I played in DC, I played against trading post decks, like, a lot throughout the day. And <laughs> those are both, like, archetypes where you definitely want, like, as well as conscripts against them. So I think moving one back to the main is definitely reasonable. So, so uh, uh, on the topic of ramp, obviously Reed Duke did well um, this past weekend with his version of Blue Wolf Run. Gerard uh, Fabiano has been writing about it, and uh, I've been seeing it a lot in the queues just because it's a very big, powerful deck, and the format is so slow right now. Like, it's just no, there's no like real aggro deck. Like, it, it, what do you think about a format right now where the aggro deck is Delver? I mean, Delver is the only deck that has, like, a one-drop creature that affects the board in any meaningful way. Um, you know, what are you doing, like, when the format is going to kind of shift away from being this slow mid-rangey and maybe more toward, like, these bigger rug decks? Uh, is, does Nyapod, is it able to sort of transform and, and survive in that, or does it thrive in that? Um, it, it, like, it doesn't really thrive in that. It thrives more against, uh, like, Delver and Zombies and other green decks are why I love Naya right now, because I think it's just, like, great in all those matchups. Mm. But, yeah, it's a little weak to, like, ramp, and it's a little weak to, uh, like, control decks. Like, all the control decks now are just, like, Trading Post, Worm Coil Engine, and those cards are very difficult to beat. So, mm. like, it's possible that Naya just gets phased out uh, if those decks, like, really increase in popularity. And, yeah, I think, like, Reed's deck was is awesome, too. I love that deck. Like, just so many awesome things you can do with that. Yeah, it was getting some negative press. Um, again, I'll mention the Game State guys. They they did not like it last week. Um, it, it's basically just red-green 
Wolf Run, uh, except it has a couple copies of Phantasmal Image and then Temporal Mastery. Um, and then I've seen a few versions run Timio. I'm actually running uh, copies of Timio because it's really good. Pages. Yeah, he had a, 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 a bullet Snapcaster Mage. Which, which came, is, yeah, came in handy during some of the matches we saw him. You know, he would, like, Whip Flare, Snapcaster, Whip Flare to clear his opponent's board. And uh, Some I, games it was just a solemn simulacrum. They flashback a, uh, um, a rampant growth. Yeah. Um, I, I think I think the Temporal Mastery, it's interesting because it, it it's kind of like an upgrade to Explore. Where, you know, this deck is, an, is a deck that I think uh, if Explore were available, it would be there. Yeah, temporal mastery is kind of like, you know, it can play the explore role, but then it has the the also you know the the side effect of later allowing you to attack twice with a, a titan uh, consecutively. Yeah, I was, you know, I was talking with Reed and and he said that sometimes you know you get the temporal mast you are not yeah you get the temporal mastery on like not on turn two I think he almost he said he almost always cast it with he got it on turn two but he would get it a couple of times later and he would just not cast it with miracle. And wait to play a primeval titan because yep, some yep. you're just like yep. primeval titan untap. Well, turns out you're dead. Yeah, like hard yeah. casting it is actually yeah. a possibility. I, I think that the, it, that deck. Um, if you're a person that is feels very cheated when you play against Delver and they like nut draw you, um, it is very very good at beating the Delver decks. Um, I I, uh, I I got very frustrated and playing a couple builds that I would play because anytime I'd see someone go turn one Seagram Coast to taxing probe you, I just knew I was going to lose. Right. Um, even though I'm, I'm, I'm like a dog to that matchup, but pretty good across the board. But the rug deck is ju- just, just having access to cavernous souls. And the fact that like, you know, unless your opponent goes like turn one Delver, you're going to win the late game because every single one of your cards is humongous. Like you have like Karn and Bonfire and, and Titans, you have Frost Titan, Primal Titan, and in some versions they run Inferno Titan. And in many cases, you're just completely blanking your opponent's uh, mana leaks. So unless they, like if, if your opponent's smart, like if you want to beat that deck, just mana leak all of the ramp spells. Because you're not going to counter any late game threats. Like Primal Titan's hitting the board. So you need to, you need to actually be the beatdown. You need to get in there and you know get keep save your vapor snags. Don't waste them on solemns to try and force some damage. Like you just gotta you gotta like play a totally different game. But I, every time I see the turn one secret close to taxing pro view, I'm just like okay, well I'm gonna win. You know, like I, that, it feels really good to be playing that deck right now because Delver really is like just all over the place. Um, but I, I, I'm actually surprised to hear you say, Brian, that um, that it's not the best matchup for uh, Niapod. Um, maybe it's because the versions I'm playing against, maybe they've just been mising the, uh, the, uh, Zealous Conscripts against me more often than not, but I, I, I actually, I'm about half on that matchup right now. Yeah, I think, uh, I don't think it's, like, a terrible matchup. Like, I played a, I've been playing against it, like, a number of times on Magic Online and kind of, like, developed a strategy for it, and I was winning, like, a good portion, but, uh, I don't, it's like not a matchup that I'm excited to see from Naya perspective either. Because if you have like a slow hands, you're just like not going to beat like a primeval titan because you don't mm-hmm. really have a way to kill it. So you just have to like you have to hope to be like fast enough to put them in a position where like a conscripts will kill them when they tap out for titan, or like where you can get like a silver heart that just uh, outclasses it. But yeah, it's, like, easier said very than good there. Yeah, 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 it is. And, like, I've, I've had actually had a lot of success with uh, Micaeus against the deck because uh, 
a lot of the lists like just play Bonfire and not uh, Whip Flare or Slagstorm. So you can, you know, unless they miracle a Bonfire, in which case you're probably just dead anyway. Uh, you can like, you have time to get Micaeus going, and it can actually like let a Restoration Angel trade with a Primeval Titan or something wow. like that. Yeah. Nice. So. With the uh, with, uh, I think that we can wrap up the discussion on Niapod with this uh, little question. Unless you guys have any other questions, I wanted to take a look into the future. We're going, we're returning to Ravnica in the fall, and that means the rotation of M12 and of Scars. Um, and of course, that means that uh, that Birthing Pod is going to go away, but it doesn't really end Niapod in, uh, or, or uh, sorry, it ends Niapod. It doesn't end Nia Agro. But do you think that the uh, the other losses? Like, uh, assuming, for example, Birds of Paradise doesn't get reprinted and the Scars lands, perhaps most importantly, um, do you think that, that that spells the end for Naya Agro? Um, I, I mean, it's hard to say because, like, you don't know it's going to be in Ravnica, but I think Birds of Paradise is, like, a huge loss. I think that's, like, the biggest loss to the deck. Uh, that's, like, one of the just one of the best cards in the deck. It just really helps do everything you want. So, unless there's, like, a replacement for Birds, it could be pretty tough to play yeah, the deck. Bird, well, birds and Ar- and uh, uh, Lanowar Elf both kind of got replaced by Arbor Elf. Yeah, well, I think I actually think Arbor <laughs> Elf, if like the Shocklands get reprinted, like that could be good enough. So, yeah. okay. Yeah, it's kind of uh, it, last time that birds disappeared from the core set, it reappeared in the original Ravnica. So, right, you know, it, it's I I think that there's sort of a possibility that we see birds or some sort of bird-like uh, green one-drop that's going to, you know, because we don't, we don't have Noble Hierarch. I know a lot of people thought that might be coming in right. M13. I don't think it's coming in in, uh, in Ravnica because it's, it. it's a shard and not a, uh, a guild. Yeah. But, I, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see some sort of green one-drop that produces multiple colors. And, um, you know, and even, even Birds of Paradise itself, maybe they're just like, hey, that's a slot in M13 that that we can fill with something else. Maybe yep. give everybody a little scare. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. I definitely wouldn't be surprised to just see birds straight up reprinted. I mean... Yeah, no. It, it's a fine area of design. I actually... You know, uh, having played the RGD draft the other weekend, mm-hmm. um, it would be cool to see, like, a bird variant that actually doesn't... Um, like, has doesn't have the ability to attack or block, but maybe has some other secondary ability on it. Maybe some keyworded ability, like Exalted. Oh, um, or so or it would be like uh, yeah, it would be like graft exactly. So it would be can't it would be like a Vigian hydropon that's a one-one. For those of you Vigian hydropon enthusiasts out there in the audience, I'll give you a moment <laughs> to gather that one. That but yeah, it insane. would just be it would be like a like a graft one uh, thing that can't attack or block. I guess is what you're what you're saying. Yeah, just like something that may, you know. I'm sure they have all sorts of crazy design space they explored for the sets to keep it fresh. You know, we have no returning mechanics in this block. You know, all we know is that we have the guilds returning, but they 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 all have a facelift. There's there's going to be all new stuff to explore. So it'd be pretty yeah. cool to see what. And they the do. statement is that the the guild keywords will be, work well with the original guild. Right. But they are not the same. So speaking of RGD. Mm-hmm. That being my favorite draft format, Brian. What what are your favorite? Uh, I'll say favorite two draft formats because I don't think it's fair to to leave the second favorite behind. What, what are your favorite two draft formats to play? So I, I would have to say my favorite draft format is Time Spiral Block, 
And I, nice. I don't know that uh, a lot of people would agree with me on that, but uh, that was like the first set I started drafting, and I just I loved it so much. And they had it on Moto like a few weeks back, and I just did like so many time spiral drafts. It was, <laughs> I, it's just like such an awesome format because with all the time shifted cards, there's just like infinite possibilities. Yeah. But and then I think my second favorite has to actually be Innistrad block, uh, not not Avacyn restored, but just Innistrad and maybe Dark Ascension. Sure. Uh, I just thought that was like a amazingly designed draft format, and like I played so much of it and never grew tired of it. Yeah, so drafting drafting time spirals a lot like cube, where you could just like you, if you, a lot of time it feels like you're grabbing cards out of a bag, and it's, it's just like <laughs> so many there's so many cards in the set, and then there are so many time shifted cards, and then if you add in the other three or other two uh, sets. There's just so many different keywords. Like, nothing makes any sense. Like, it's just so much fun. Well, that's yeah. why they, they, in general, or I shouldn't say in general, but um, it has been stated that Time Sprout w- was a success, but not a success. Yeah. You know, being that Magic is is always being geared, you know, 80% of R&D is geared toward existing players. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm sure that, that the people that, you know, came back to the game or enjoyed Time Sprout because it was such a neat you know, so many mechanics and things thought it was great, but I mean, a lot of players just don't like it. Um, yeah. I'm not, I'm not in that party. I'm, I'm with you, Brian. I, I just, you know, it's one of those sets where I, it was when I came back to the game, I remember the pre-release and opening up like the, the first time shifted card, um, I got was a psionic blast and I was just like, what? like, I, it was just so amazing to me to like see it. Um, but, uh, so, so that so being that you like time spiral, do you are there any like fun variant formats like cube or you play like EDH or anything else uh, like that? Uh, I never really gotten into EDH, but I do love cube drafting. It's like one of my favorite formats. So yeah, it's just like so many fun things you can do, and it's just never the same like twice. Yep. Just, which favorite? What's your favorite archetype to draft in a in a cube blind? If what, what do you want to open? Pack one, pick one. Uh, I think I want to open either like Jace or Garrick, and I just I just love blue green ramp. That's my Which favorite. Uh, I would say original Garrick. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's a Old good school. So speaking nice. of uh, cube, actually flawless segue, Matt, you have an announcement <laughs> for us, do you not? I do. So I've uh, I've decided what um, the name of the new Cube podcast is going to be, which is it's going to be called The Joy of Cubing or nice. Joy of Cubing. And um, it's going to be something I'll probably do every couple weeks um, whenever I can get some time. I'll try to be consistent, do it every couple weeks, two weeks. And I'm going to have a new person on each week, and we're going to go through um, – you know, their cube philosophies, hopefully it'd be people in the community that are very involved in cube. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go over like any changes that I made to my list and, and take mailbag and general hodgepodge, whatever, just, you know, that we found like, especially back in the day when it was just me and Sam, that we, we had like entire episodes where, where we could talk for hours about just cube and, I think we could probably do that every week if we wanted to. I, and, yeah. and I think we, we eventually decided, well, we'll kind of like, t- you know, tone it back a little bit. And we'll do like a cube cast, you know, every couple months or something. And so I th- hopefully this will be uh, 
people people will enjoy listening to it. And um, I, I want to thank Brian Miller for the name, and I think I owe him a fetch land for that. Um, so, uh, and thanks to everybody for the suggestions and uh, the support. So I'm really looking forward to doing that. And Eric Klug's fantastic slash awful Photoshop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that probably won't be the the cover the cover uh, the cover yeah. foot. <laughs> But uh, I think we're, we're about wrapping up here. Um, Brian, we really appreciate you coming on the show. Do you have anything, uh, anything you want to plug, any articles coming up? I uh, have not written an article for this week, so I have no idea what I'm going to write about. But uh, you, are, you are doing a playtest session tomorrow. Yeah, yeah so, we're doing uh, some playtest yeah. sessions. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's something I, I would just like, love for people to check out uh, the playtest videos that Todd and I are doing. And we want to make those, like, the best possible. So. Nice. And uh, if people want to get a hold of you on Twitter, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, my Twitter handle is at Brown Doing It. That's nice. my last name and then the word it. Okay. And uh, as always, you can follow the show. We are um, at In Contention. I'm at K Stube. Uh, Ruben is at Mox Ruby, R R E U B Y. And Joey is at Affinity for Blue. And uh, anybody have any. Shout outs or any anything you want to get on the table before we yeah get yeah. this one of the books. I I wanted to mention and I know we referred to it earlier in the uh, in the show was uh, Cedric Phillips has a podcast a video podcast that they record live so it's um it's available on Twitch tv slash game state mtg and I believe they they uh, record every Monday. Uh, our own Glenn Jones is uh, or you know Star City Zone Glenn Jones is a uh, part of the the show now and um i just watched the first episode uh last night I, I mean the first episode that i've seen was last night uh it was a good show they ran for about two hours it's cool because if you're if you're sitting at a, at a computer where you can uh where you can chat you can actually interact live with the show um oh, eat. so so that's very cool um i was unable to interact live because i just had it playing on my iphone while i was driving home from work but that's another thing that you can do uh you know, if you can listen to the show live, and I think that's just a cool thing. And of course, it's a uh, it's it's a cool show. So check that out, Game State, and uh, it's it's on Mondays. So uh, we can link that in the show notes. But shout out to those guys. Yeah, those those guys are awesome for sure. I haven't got a chance to listen to that show, but I mean, Cedric Phillips, Glenn Jones, two of the more entertaining people that I know in it, the community. It's got two um, guys that again from my stings, uh, and I think they're on like Good Gamer or something. Joe jo and Ribs and a Winners You who are like two of my favorite people from back in the day. They're they're I, I don't see them a lot on Twitter. Hopefully they, they are, but um, you should definitely check them out. Their dynamics really good. And they had a lot of really interesting discussion going. So uh, I like that format. It's very, very neat to watch. So, all right. Well, I think that about wraps it up for this week. Again, thanks to Brian Brown doing, did I get it? Did yeah, get you got it. All right. Perfect. Awesome. And, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Brian Bladovich, thanks so much for coming on the show. You know, and, came um, here all the way from Mother Russia. It's a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Get Russia. Twitter hashtags you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Until next week, we are in contention. <laughs>